We have a special guest today. Yes. And it's nine o'clock for me. I've been awake for several hours, but Frank Ippolito has probably not, because <laughs> it is very early on the West Coast. We're glad you're here, but sorry about it being so early. That's all right. I uh, I like you guys, so 5 a.m. ain't that bad. Oh, my gosh. Well, I got up at 5. It's not 5 right now. Well, still, yeah. though, I was saying beforehand, there's like basically nothing in the world that would get me up at 5 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, my kids, maybe, but, you know, that's it. We're working in the movie industry, sometimes we got to get up at stupid o'clock, so this, is, this ain't that bad. And you're in your office, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. I'm at my shop. I don't work on set. As, <clears throat> I don't work on set as much as I used to, but working on set sometimes you have like three a.m. calls or you know something yeah. stupid. Uh-huh. But crazy. Well, so for anybody that doesn't know, everybody should know. Frank Ippolito is a master. Can I say? Can I say master prop builder? Is that a fair? I would fair? say so, considering okay. his work. I, that's what I would say. I just wanted to make sure that that was, that's not like some, you got to go to school for a master check mark or something to be able to say that. Anyway, he he's his, a master prop builder. He got his blue checked a long time ago. I don't have one. <laughs> and I don't either. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not fancy enough to get a blue check. Yeah. It doesn't mean anything. So anyway, we're glad you're here. And anybody that doesn't know, you've probably seen his work because he does all sorts of work on all sorts of shows and movies and can you give us a smattering of like your greatest hits, um, real quick? The the latest like kind of big one is uh, Mandalorian season one and two, um, and I got to play one of the aliens in season two. Uh, oh, that's cool! Yeah, the uh, the Mon Calamari in the sweater. That's that's me. It's me shrugging and shaking my head. Oh, that's crazy. Um, now, did they, did you go in the suit because you knew it because you made it? Yeah, well, we we built it. We built all the Mon Calamari in that and. A lot of times when you're building an animatronic puppet, you could say, well, we want to put, we want to build it for a specific performer. And that head, like, there's no room in there. Like, once you get the servos and everything in it. Yeah. So it was kind of built around my head. Um, Mm -hmm. And I've I've done a little bit of creature suit work before, like, so I know what it's like to be with, you know, with no vision and you can't, you know, it's not a lot of air and all that's like, none of that stuff gets to me. So I was just, it's easier to, to put on somebody that knows what they're doing. And isn't yeah. going to like panic and want to get out of it every four seconds. So, yeah. Have you had to deal with that? Like on set where like a specific physical actor needs to be inside something, but yet they're not good at it. Oh yeah. Sometimes shows will hire actors, you know, for their, for their actorly qualities, but they're not yeah. used to being in, in specialty costumes or suits or you need a suit performer to do that stuff. Yeah. yeah, There's yeah. A, um, the, the guy that uh, plays uh, Isaac on, on the Orville, he's he's the nicest guy on the planet, wonderful actor, blah, 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 all that stuff. But he, he's not a suit performer. And the second that they yell cut, he's just yanking the helmet off. And it's just like, dude, <laughs> calm down. These things are a little fragile. Like, he's just a little little too picky for somebody that's a suit performer. Right, um, right, right. So there are just people who are only suit performers then. That's, that's, a, that's a title? Yeah, there, there's a lot of people that are, they're mostly stuntmen, okay. you know, people that like played like Predator or Jason Voorhees or stuff like that. Like there's, there's a whole bunch of these guys. There's a new one. Well, the that, guy who played Chewbacca, right? I mean, he was famous for years. Peter Mayhew. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what he did besides Chewbacca. I mean, he was just a big tall dude. Yeah. I can't think of anything he's done besides Chewbacca. Yeah. I don't know that he did any other acting. <laughs> yeah. It was always a big deal when he was like out and about. Yeah, I mean some some people are that's just their jam. They love being in big yeah. creature suits and yeah. that's what they do. 
Is that something you are interested in doing more of, or was that just like a, well, it was easier and kind of cool to be able to do that one particular easier and cool. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't aspire to be some fancy pants actor or anything like that. I'm, I'm happy just doing stuff cause it's fun <laughs> and it comes around. Yeah. I mean, to be able to say that you were on the Mandalorian, that's you, like, you can, like, be done, <laughs> right. You can just like check the list. And uh, oh, there's, there's some stuff cool. we just built for one of the newer star Wars shows that, like once I'm allowed to talk about it, like it's 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 like holding in, like holding in a pee for like three or four years. It's gonna be it's gonna be great to talk about. I must this say, one. I visited Frank's studio. It was about one year ago, Frank, when I was there in L.A. When I was yeah. there for making yeah. it season three, and and me and Tamara came over. We all hung out at your shop. It was a great visit to see you and I met in person for the first time. We've only been chatting on Twitter yeah. for years, but uh, Frank's shop is incredible. Not only with toys for the maker, but just incredible props that he's made and everything is like what's that for he's like i can't say i go what's that for he's like i can't say <laughs> like wow this is so cool is this in a movie i can't say it's just like the coolest stuff <laughs> everywhere the most incredibly engineered beautifully well-designed like systems too i must say i mean your, your shop is absolutely beautiful I, I, we try thank you very much no, seriously. I mean, it was an inspiration to me when I left. I'm like, I got to clean my shop up. It's a damn mess. Like, everything <laughs> is so well organized. <laughs> even, even all your, your, your past work. Like, you have, like, rooms dedicated to, like, beautifully displayed past work. And I can only imagine how much that helps your business. It, it does. You know, yeah, here and there. Everything in my shop that I've made before is just, like, laying under dust. I still haven't cleaned well, it. Happy, happy to be a little <laughs> inspiration. It's the one thing, as soon as I left your place, that's when we got the resin printers that we were talking about it when we got back. And yeah, Bob yeah. Been yeah, I actually just started buying a whole bunch of the cheap ones, all those like three, four, five hundred dollar yeah. ones. Because I have the the mm-hmm. big, um, the... Peloponnese. What's it called? Pil- Pil- yeah, the, Pil- the, what's it? the Phenoms. Uh-huh. Yeah, I have, I have four Phenoms. And that's like kind of our bigger printers but i just started buying all these all the like little like three four hundred dollar ones and they all work great yeah like i haven't found it i haven't found a crappy one yet i mean it's so funny where there's like there's technology right under everybody's nose but you know unless somebody like literally grabs your head and just points it at it you just sometimes miss the boat and that's what it was with me with a resin printer when i was walking around your shop i was like oh what is that and you're like oh that's a resin printer that's like no big deal <laughs> like they're all over the place and i was like oh. when i came back i was as i said to aaron i'm like there's printers that don't clog. There's printers that actually work. He's like, I know it's a resin printer. You want well, to buy they, one? I'm like, yeah. They have their own quirks. They have their own quirks besides clogging nozzles. But I was most impressed. Yeah. I saw a couple of prints laying around with the uh, the lattice work. I knew it was lattice mm-hmm. work, but that's what I was so impressed with. Yeah. I'm like, what is this crazy cute lattice work? This like incredible. Looks like everything looks like it's on a giant roller coaster. It's incredible. So I, if anybody that doesn't know, Frank has an entirely different setup, like business model structure shop everything than what we do. And I'm really curious about a lot of that because it's it's so far distant from from like our setup. You have full-time people, but you also have tons of people that come in contract, yeah, right? Yeah, freelancers. Yeah. Yeah. So at any given time, how many people are like working in your shop? Um I have a core crew of about 10. Um it's fluctuated between, you know, 10 and 15. It just depends uh kind of what's going on in the world. Um but right now, I think it's yeah, I think it's ten people is my core crew, and I've gone up as big as thirty. Um, wow, which I hate. I hate. It must be stressful. Um, yeah, it well, it's stressful and it's it's tough to find another twenty people that you don't hate being around all day long. Um, 
you know, I think like, like everybody, everybody did a lot of soul searching the past couple a year and a half. And I just want to be happy, you know? <laughs> and so yeah, I, right. I would rather, inst- I don't want to be, you know, Weta or legacy or any of these like giant monolith shops. I am happy being a little bit more boutique and only having like 10 or 12 employees and, and picking and choosing stuff instead of trying to like, I used to get like kind of frustrated when it's like, well, Hey, that show's happening. Why am I not on that? Or, you know, how come they never called me for an mm. estimate? And now I'm just like, I don't want it. I, yeah. Sometimes yeah, so, you wish for something um, when you get it, you're like, wow, why did I ask for this? Oh yeah. It's, it's so tough having bigger crews and, and you have to do business in a completely different way. You know, having like one or two employees is different than 10 employees is different than 30 sure. is different than 50 or a hundred. Yeah. And you're very passionate about um, your, your hobbies. I noticed the motorcycles that were there and stuff. So you mm-hmm. definitely need to make time for that. I, I, I mean, in my little world here, I've been getting into repairing cars and uh, I find it relaxing to just kind of like check out of everything else and just do nuts and bolts and mm-hmm. stuff as you've been doing on mm-hmm. the Ducati. And uh, you really got to make time for it. I'm going to interrupt you, Jimmy, and we're going to circle back. Don't think you're <laughs> off the hook because you lied <laughs> <cars>. last week. <laughs> You said oh. that we counted the cars and there were Registerable nine. Is that what we vehicles. ended up with? That is not the truth. And you will pay for that. Okay, we're going to come back to that. We did an inventory and I left a few out. We got called out. People sent messages and they were like, but you didn't ask him about the scissor lift. What about the motorcycle? What about his bikes? Like all this stuff. It was pretty funny. Well, so I'm curious. Um, I didn't mean, I did mean to cut you off, but I didn't mean to cut you off. Jimmy, did you have anything else you wanted to say there? Okay. Um, so I, another thing I'm really curious about, Frank, with that number of people, mm-hmm. and you were talking about the 3D printers, that's what yeah. made me think of this, is like, are you the one doing maintenance on all of your, your Tormach and your army of 3D printers and your, you know, all of the the technical infrastructure? Are you the one doing that? Because you have a fluctuating it's crew? A, it's a little bit of all of us. Well, I do have, I do have like a baseline crew of, of like the 10 people. and. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we kind of share in a lot of these responsibilities. Um, there's a girl named Yelena that runs most of our 3d printers. Um, and she does most of the maintenance on all those things. Uh, I just hired another girl, uh, last week named Casey, who's kind of learning from Yelena on how to do all that stuff. Um, and then there's a guy named Gary, uh, Gary Kral, who's worked with me for almost four years now, I think three, four years. Um, and he, he kind of helps with the printers and with the CNCs. Like we have that big, um, avid CNC, you know, four by eight guy, Gary helps with the maintenance and, and stuff on that. And then I do the Tormach. So we, we kind of divide and conquer. Um, hmm. most of the people here can do a little bit of everything. Um, we're not s- super generalists, but a lot of us like overlap. So seems like you'd need to in that business. Um, you kind of, you know, like the bigger shops are more compartmentalized. Like if you get hired on as a mold maker, you're literally going to do molds for the, you know, for the duration of your time there. And that's all you're going to get known as. So, you know, throw any aspirations of painting out the window. Right. Um, my shop is a little bit different. We, we jump around a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, smaller shops, you, you can do a lot more things. But, you know, you get these bigger shops that have 30, 40, 50 people. Like you literally just do one job. How often do you get uh, those uh, emergency jobs where it's like they don't care how much money it costs? It just needs to be done by Sunday at midnight for a Monday morning shoot. How often do you get those kind of things? Um, if I took them, I could probably get them every week. Oh, I see. Um, but I turn most of those down. Too, too frantic. Probably only, well, I, I don't want to burn out my yeah. crew. Um, 
you know, I've I, like anybody, we've all gone through a, a journey through our lifetime of, of how to treat people and how to run a business and how to like everything. And I don't, I don't want to like always run at that like high pace, like, okay, we're going to work like 12 hour days. Everything's. Yeah. When you're working with people, you really got to respect everybody's time. Yeah. Everybody, people have a life. Some people have kids. Like I want everybody to go home. Uh, you're never going to be able to have a reality TV show in your shop then. Oh, the, you know, I, I've I've done that, before. not in my shop, but I've I've done those shows before. I, I'm done with those. I, wa- I watch a lot <laughs> of the red clock ticking in the. I back. watch a lot of the car restoration ones, and each job that they get is due like in four days, and they have a crew that is just panicking. Like this is set up. This is totally yeah. set up. I th- I think that's I but, think that's yeah, got to be set up, set up right? like West Coast Customs okay. is like two blocks from me, and those are su- they're all super nice guys, and a lot of that stuff's for you know, done for the camera. The, the only timeline that's, that's real is the production company. Cause they don't want to pay anybody overtime. <laughs> that's all it is. That's all yeah. it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. They're like, you got to build a car in four days because we only have four days budgeted for a camera crew and sound. Exactly. People. That's mm. yeah. And those <laughs> are the only people that really seem to get paid attention to is the camera people. Like on my shoot, they worked us like farm animals, but it's like the cameraman can't work one minute overtime. I'm like, but you expect everybody to leave and us to work for another five hours to finish this prop by tomorrow? <laughs> like, are and I the host of the show? Yeah, the, the cameramen get treated like, and I, I love old cameramen. It's just something about their pay scale that scares producers. Hmm. Well, when, you know, it's funny. Working on the, we were talking a little bit before we started about the this union strike that's coming up, and that's that's what this strike is like, kind of about at the core is. Um, people get abused as far as working overtime and stuff like that. Like it's not uncommon for a production to go 13, 14, 15, 16 hours. Um, you know, the day, the day that I was, um, one of the days that I was on set as with the Mon Calamari thing, it was a 16 and a half hour day. Wow, dang. That's crazy. Like the shoot we just shot was for a big streaming network, which everybody knows. I'm not allowed mm-hmm. to say yet, but everybody knows what I'm talking about. Like we literally had, there was only a couple days that we worked like two or three hours overtime. And that's only because we just needed to get the prop done whenever we were working on. But they were like, has to like, it's like the second, like the clock ticked to the number, everyone just had to drop everything. But they were very strict about time. And it's, uh, I get, and that's just gets down to budgets. I think that has to, that has to do with budgets. Yeah. Cause like when I was on pirates and this is, you know, in 2005, my shortest day on Pirates wow. is 14 hours. That's great. But did you know that? that? Did you know day. that going in that like every day was going to be a crazy long day? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And it didn't bother yeah. me. Like, um, it was, I mean, I was much younger then. I was, yeah, I would have been in my twenties. Um, so I could do things a lot, a lot longer, but I mean, like my longest day was a 22 and a half hour day. <laughs> yeah. It was insane. Um, but I, I just took all the overtime they were going to, they were yeah. going to give yeah. me. So, so this Crazy. strike that's coming up, this uh, it, how is that going to affect like your crew or your business? Is it is it directly affecting the people that work with you, or just how you work with other productions? It's it's a little it's a little bit of everything. Um, so we're a union signatory shop, also, so, which means um, I sign contracts with the union so that all of my employee employees get you know union benefits, you know the health care and the pension and all that stuff. Um, which means we have a little bit stricter. Uh, you know, overtime rules. It's not that much different than regular labor law rules. Um, and then, you know, the pay scales are are set a little bit different, you know. Um, but if the strike happens, um, you know, my employees can still work 
here that you know we're just not allowed to deliver any any stuff to any productions and thankfully we only have one film production right now everything else is non-union work we're doing a lot of stuff for some theme parks and i got a couple of months worth of work from theme parks so even if the strike happens it's not gonna like it's not really gonna do much Hmm. to me right here and now but the fallout from that strike um could could be a pain and it's hard to kind of anticipate what it is if you think about the history of strikes in this town the last like giant one was the writer's strike and the thing that i think people don't realize that happened is because of that writer's strike that got got us that big boom in reality television yeah because nobody wanted Um, to do scripted shows or they just avoided them yeah well you you couldn't so besides ruining you know uh, the James Bond Quantum of Solace because they couldn't get the writers to do any rewrites on that. Um, the, you know, we got, we had the fallout of the Kardashians. Right. That's because of the writer's strike. Like, we wouldn't have this, like, crazy mm. uh, reality show boom boom that happened. Um, so what, who, you know, who's who knows what's going to happen if, uh, you know, Cruz strike like how's how does that fall out now what is this uh what is the uh the initials it's uh i a what are the initials i a t s e international theatrical something theatrical uh somethings yeah theatrical stage employee i don't uh, and then like let's say uh, they do strike and i happen to read an article about it just last night and it said something about it's all the below the line people it's like not producers yeah not uh directors and uh, it's everybody else so it's like the the backbone of any production, the physical labor. Well, it, yeah. It's, it's, Oh, it's almost always the AMTPT, which is the producers guild. It's always the producers versus everybody right. else. And the producers are saying, well, we don't want to pay, uh, you know, fancy overtime rates, or we don't want to renegotiate our contract with writers or, or directors, you know, the, it could be DGA. Um, Uh, So there's, you know, the SAG, which is the Screen Actors Guild, all the actors and everything. So everybody, you know, kind of has their renegotiations with the producers every handful of years. And this one, besides this crazy, like, working long schedule thing, um, there's also uh, in the contracts, like, so, like, uh, a TV show is is a different budget scale than what's called, like, a movie of the week. Mm -hmm which is different than a feature. Like there's all these different like pay tiers and there, and a long time ago they put in new media, you know, streaming and YouTube and like all that stuff. New media really isn't new media. Yeah. They're trying to say that, that, that is like a lower pay scale. It is. Yeah. Well, they're trying to keep all these streaming services are getting these crazy low rates. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and, and we also have to, say with a caveat, like crazy low rates, like the, you know, low rates on a TV scale is like 25 bucks an hour, which, yeah, that's more than minimum wage, but living in Los Angeles or, you know, whatever, like that's, you know, that, that's a garbage rate. Um, you know, that, that's an entry level rate. That's not a, that's not a person that's on set, like, you know, doing their craft. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so there, I mean, there's, there's stuff on the table and it's all legitimate. Um, you know, to, to renegotiate those rates and who wants to work, you know, 12 plus hour days for like six months straight, you know, when you get, and when you start doing that, there, there's a thing called turnaround. So when you, you get to the end of your day, you have to have like 10 or 12 hours turnaround. They can't, your call time can't be for another 10 or 12 hours. So you start going overtime. By the time you get to the end of the week, your call time isn't until noon. Right. And then you don't, and then you're working a 12 hour day. So you don't wrap until midnight. Right. 
by the time you get home, they call them fratterdays because it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's Friday, but you just ate up half of your Saturday because of overtime. Yeah, they were doing that on my show uh, recently. They kept every once in a while when they went over, the next day would start two hours later. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, you know, and that's fine if that happens once yeah. in a while. Like here at my shop, like we normally work 40-hour weeks. Like everybody just turns in a 40-hour time card. But, you know, every once in a while there's like a crazy push. We'll have a week or two where we have something needs to get out or we take on a crazy job. But that's not like, that's not every single day, you know, like people are fine with it. If you're like, all right, we're going to do something crazy for a week. It's just but, not sustainable. You, know, you, yeah. you abuse people if you do it all. Yeah. No. Yeah. Crazy. That is crazy. Yeah, it's, it, it's funny. Like, um, in past jobs that I've had, there's been that like startup mentality where, and I, I guess probably Hollywood is that way a lot where it's like, you, we're, this is the beginning of something big. We're just going to like work crazy and put all our resource in and all of our heart and time and everything into this thing. And I think the startup mentality is beneficial at startup, but it's not sustainable. Mm -hmm. But most of Silicon Valley, at least, thinks that's how you work going forward. And so mm -hmm. in like past software stuff that I've been a part of, it that startup thing never wears off and it always just cares carries on and becomes the culture of these companies and then people like you're saying people just don't want to do it anymore they burn out they don't want to live that way they wanted to get started that yeah. way and yeah. so it's a that's a big problem and i think i mean even in our world in the youtube thing i think all of us have been through that where we think that initial hustle that you have to do to get a lot of work mm. done and you know go full time or whatever your goal is you think that that's the thing that has to continue but it can't. I mean, I guess it's that way in every industry. It can't. You and know, then you feel degree, guilty but. for it, too. Like, now I don't work 65 hours a week anymore. It's I, I, I do something that's a little bit more healthy. And I, sometimes you feel guilty. I'm like, man, I'm not putting in every single ounce of free time that I have into this thing. And it eats away at you. I'm, I'm better at it now, but it's definitely something that's hard to get over. Well, even... I, I do that too. Like I come in on Saturdays and Sundays all the time. Cause like, I'm like, Oh, I should really work on this thing. It's so hard to stop. And do you see that against, I was going to say that I feel that way, David, a lot of times when I'm looking at the kind of up and coming generation of people that do what we do, because they're still in that startup, like run super fast mentality thing. Do you find that in your work, Frank, where you see other shops that like, man, they're just like, they're going, you know, 20 hour days all the time and they're making great progress and they're getting known. I mean, do you feel a comparison to that or are you settled enough that, you know? Well, I mean, there, there's, there's a lot of very longstanding established shops that still act like that and they burn out their crew real fast and people don't want to work for them anymore. Um, you know, I've gotten three new people in the past year from one of these other shops that works people 12 plus hours a day, every day. And they just, they just want a life again. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can't go forever. It's different. Like everybody wants different things and it's okay. And I try not to compare myself to the Joneses, you know, like I don't, I try to, you know, not worry about what every other shop's doing or, or what shows people are getting, but you know, just do what, do what works for me and what works for my crew and what makes us like happy and comfortable. So I don't know. It's hard. <laughs> it's, it's a, it's like this crazy learning experience. It's like, I don't know. I, I've never, nobody ever taught me how to run a business or what to do or how to treat people. I mean, 
you know, you, your parents teach you how to treat people, but you know what I mean? It's like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> you know, every, every day I'm learning something new. Yeah. So speaking of, it's, it's a learning process. I want to know what you're learning now as, as far as like techniques, like what is new for your shop right now mm-hmm. that you didn't do a year ago? That's a good question. Ooh, what's new? Well, what did you do before the SLA printers came out or the, right, the right. resin printers? Um, we would, we would send stuff out if it needed to be printed, but bef- I mean, before, before like printers and stuff like that, it was sculpting and model making, you know, making stuff out of wrench shape and styrene and, you know, MDF and stuff Just like that. Just straight up traditional methods. Um, like I would have prototyped something 10 years ago for mm-hmm. the toy business. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, we we talked yeah. about this before. I came from the toy industry in the '90s, yeah. also, so um, that was totally normal. Yeah. Do um, you find that? Uh, I mean, it seems obviously you save a tremendous amount of time. I mean, does it does it equal out in? Not I was going to say, does it equal out in money as well if you can save a tremendous amount of time? I mean, I, I think with all of these toys that that I have here in the shop, it's it's still about picking the right tool for the right yeah. job. Like sometimes it's quicker just to make something out of styrene. Yeah. And then vacuum form it, and then sometimes it's quicker to just throw it on a printer. Right. It it just yeah, depends. It depends on because if you got to create the model, it's just as much physical time as trying to make one off. Mm-hmm. The the three D yeah, model, gotta, and then you got to wait overnight for the printer, and then you know, does the piece have to be durable? So do we have to mold it and cast it anyway? Right. Like you know, it's it's all the same processes. It's just picking what's going to be you know cost effective, time effective, mm. and give us the end result. It's literally everything that everybody all of you guys do yeah so so how long you've been working for yourself for quite a while right i mean I, um contract over and 10 years like 11 11 years well i the film industry is all pretty freelancing mm. like when I, mo- I moved out here in 2000 um so 21 years ago i started wow. <laughs> this nonsense and uh and you know i would jump from shop to shop or show to show for like 10 years and uh, and then I just started getting my own gigs, um, right around 2010, and uh, and it was mostly working by myself for the first couple of years. And then I would need a little bit of help here and there. And then I needed some more space, and then more help, and then more space. And then here I am. Like I never set out to to be to own this kind of a company or do this kind of a thing. It just kind of happened hmm. over. 10 was years. there one job or one show that put you on your own? It's a you know, the first, like, kind of, like, I guess, contract I got was building these NASCAR trophies for Mechanics Wear. That was the first, like, decent paying gig that I was just like, okay, I'm going to just do this on my own. Um, and I'm, I'm actually still making those trophies. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So 11 years later, I'm making another batch of NASCAR trophies right now. That's very cool. Um, yeah. And then, there, you know, there's incremental you know, projects that come up, like I did this big giant dragon thing for Capcom and that kind of set me into a, a, you know, I needed a bigger shop at that point that grew me a little bit more. And then, um, and then when I did, I did these gorilla suits and I remember talking to the the guys that were working for me. I was like, well, I'm either going to take these things and we're going to crew up and, and, you know, take, you know, move to the next, like kind of grow to the next level or I'll pass on this job. Uh, and I was like, what do you guys think? And they're like, yeah, let's do it. So took that and grew to the next level. Mm-hmm. Are you looking for opportunities every time something comes through the door to do something new and different? Like, do you predicate the the acceptance of a job on, 
you know, how it's going to move you to the next level. I guess it all depends on your personal finances, if it's like for money or for for personal gain. Well, there's, yeah, there's still jobs that I'll, I'll take that are less lucrative than others. Just, just for um, the experience of it. Because, or because it's something I think is cool. Yeah. Um, like I kind of lost my butt on a job back in 2019 cause I took it cause I was so like excited for this thing and I just didn't budget it right. And I really lost my butt on this thing in 2019. <laughs> um, but it, it's one of my favorite projects we've done. I so always, a job like that, I say this when you go to college, that's it. Well, sometimes you go to graduate school. That means you really lost everything. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I probably under, under budgeted by about half. Ooh. So it was, it, yeah, it, it made it a little bit tough. Um, and that's, that's a hundred percent my mistake. Right. Um, but, uh, I try not to do that. <laughs> so are you a, are you a, the type of person that when you have those, those, um, moments where you're like, well, we can either pass or we can, you know, grow. This can be an inflection mm-hmm. point. Are you a person that mm-hmm. sees that as like a, yes, this is an inflection point. We're going to make a change. We're going to grow. Or are you risk averse? Probably not if you're a motorcycle driver. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, does that stuff excite you or are you tentative about those types of growth? Or I, I think I'm a little bit more calculated about it now than maybe I was five or 10 years ago. You know, every, every year that passes, I think I'm a little bit less, uh, you know, wanting to take something too risky, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, like back to what Jimmy was asking, like literally every job that comes in here is something we've never done before. Even if it's in the prop business, it seems like it. Yeah. Even if I've built a hundred, you know, suits of armor, you know, I'm on my 10th spacesuit. like everything has its own. It's, it's all completely from scratch. It's all brand new. It's got designs are different. The fitments different. The colors are different. Like, it it might be a lot of the same processes we've used a dozen times, Not but in that every, sequence. every job is different. Yeah. 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 I just um, built that trailer. I never built a trailer before. And I spoke to the client the other day and he's like, if this goes well, there's going to be a lot more. I'm like, uh, find somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't tell him that yet, but I will. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully he's not listening. No, to he that. won't listen to this. <laughs> no, he's, he, I'm working for a marketing company and the client is their mm-hmm. client. I'm working mm-hmm. for them. Yeah, yeah. You know, so whatever I'm making, you know, they're making, you know, upcharge from that, but they're really happy with it. And they're like really excited. And now we're dealing with the, the details for the interior. We're doing story color boards and all this stuff, you know, swatch mm-hmm. boards to go to the interior. And I'm just, he's like, if this goes well, there's going to be a couple more of these. I'm like, yeah, okay. I'm not in the trailer business, buddy. <laughs> Did this for a Frank's video. been talking this this whole time. Let's give him a break and actually hear. Like, is that what you're working on? Is that what you've been doing, Jimmy? This. Uh, what, well, what I've been working on is, um, well, uh, I, I had an advertisement to do. I told you guys about this. I'm, I mean, it's no secret. You're going to see it in the next couple of hours, probably. I did an ad for NordVPN, supposed to, and so. I wanted to attach, like, I, I feel like, you know, if I have an ad, you know, sometimes I can't say no to the money, so I do the ad, but I want to make sure that the video has got some fulfilling, some, like, I want to do a rich video that goes with an ad. So it's like, I'm a, apolo- it's like an apologist way of saying, you know, hey, I got to make some money, but I'm going to give you a, try and give you a quality video. And so I was jamming on making the, the knife to crowbar video that I put out last week. And the assets for the, for the read never came in. 
So it got to Saturday morning and I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to post the video as is. I put my own little personal advertisement in it for a t-shirt we're making and video did well. And then like Sunday night, they're like, okay, here are the assets for the, for the Nord VPN thing. So I did this, this spot because then you need two days to approve it. The whole crunch is that it has to post before the end of September, which is like in a couple of hours. And so they, I gave it to them Sunday night and yesterday afternoon, which was, I guess, 20, about 20 hours later, they said, okay, this is cool. Change this one thing. Will you post the video tomorrow? And I'm like, do you want to approve the one thing that you want me to change? Because I'm sure they want to. So I did the change and I sent it to them. And then at last night at nine o'clock, I went to my shop to make a video, which I hadn't made up until that point, because in my mind, it was going to be the knife video. And I was counting on them not giving me the assets before the end of the month because it was one of these like ad agencies with like 20 people involved. And I was just banking Hmm. on everybody expecting somebody else to do it, which usually happens. And that it was going to be like September 30th when I got the assets. And I was going to be like, I can't do the ad now. We're just going to have to push it to October. But these marketing companies have these deadlines that don't seem to be anything specific. But if you don't post by the end of these months, then, you know, you get penalized. Long story short, last night I was in the shop and from like nine, nine o'clock until about four this morning. But I had a catastrophe I talked about. Um, so I made this little resin story box. So I went around my shop and I got all these cool little tchotchkes that I was kind of taking a machinist, like a vintage machinist bent. And I was going around my shop and putting all these tchotchkes in like a table. I did one years ago, but I've always wanted to do a new one where I put all these tchotchkes in a table and embedded in resin. And because I was rushed for time, I was like, I don't need to seal the wood. I'll just put all the tchotchkes on this big wooden table. Tchotchkes, by the way, which I only have one of. So I picked the best collection of the coolest (laughs) things I could... And then I poured my first layer of resin. I even put my only taxidermied mouse in. You guys remember I did the taxidermied mouse a few years ago in Chicago? And so I put my taxidermied mouse in there. The only rooster skull I have, the rooster bone leg with a spur on it. I put this all in it and I poured the resin and I'm like, just with the torch, getting the bubbles out. It started fogging a little bit. I'm like, mm, what's that fog? Maybe I can just... And then the heat to get rid of the bubbles also activates the stuff. So it starts curing faster. So the bubbles get, so it was this like quandary. And then all of a sudden within like a minute, all the foam, all the, the, the resin foamed and fogged and like was bubbling. I think the wood had moisture in it, even though it seemed dry. And I think, so the entire thing foamed and fogged and bubbled. And like, now it's like, okay, now what do I pull out that I want to keep? I pulled out a safe wheel. I pulled out this wrench, which <laughs> now I'm like, now I'm picking and shit. It's like 1030. And I'm like, okay, I think I could do this again. I have time to do this. And the only <laughs> thing I lost was my taxidermied mouse because the fur burned on him while I was trying to. <laughs> <laughs> and so last night, it was such o'clock. a weird life. <laughs> Honestly, so last nice. night at 11 o'clock, I literally started completely over and I, I went around and I had to get a whole new collection of like resin tchotchkes to stick in the resin that were like just as cool <laughs> as the first batch of cool resin tchotchkes. And so I, I was about 3.30 when I had poured like my fourth resin pour and nothing still completely submerged, although on camera, like I was doing the edit because I edit, I was editing as I was going. I'd like pour a batch, run home, edit to the edit, check on the cats and run back. And 
where it sits now, like thema- filmatically, it looks like it's embedded in resin, but it's still sticking out of the resin because everything's glossy. Like you can't tell that it's underneath. Mm. But I want to mm. try and get it to that point where it looks like it's in a fish tank, where it kind of has like that, you know, like you could see like the surface and, you know, objects bend and get a little weird looking through the, like when the light bends mm-hmm. through that flat surface. So I'm going to get it to that point, And then I got to build a set of legs for him. And I have a film crew coming here in three hours. And I got to do my live chat with uh, Core 77 at 11 o'clock. So there's a lot going on. So I got to like, I'm doing a little thing for Kodora, the denim company I've been working with. So we're going to, we're going to film a little video, but they're sending over one person camera crew and Christine, my partner on the job. She's going to be in and out of the video. She's kind of more of a producer on the video. So I got a lot going on. And that's all because this ad agency sent the assets, you know, I had all this stuff at to do at the second. end of the month, which was already there. And then like two weeks ago, I'm like, yeah, I'll do an ad. I can do an ad. You know, and in my mind, I'm like, as long as they send everything over quickly. And they didn't. And I was like, are you guys going to send over the things? Because I have like a hard out like on Wednesday that I can't have anything else to do after Wednesday. And uh, so as soon as we're done here, I think if I can go pour another layer of resin. So I don't know. I didn't get my notes <laughs> back be from interesting. the second. Like you're going to have this table with all of these machinist things and all of these very Jimmy things. And then like you have some extra room. I'm just going to be like a roll of lifesavers and like a rubber door stop. <laughs> and just like random little things stuck in to fill up the space because I lost I'm the first all batch. you guys the pictures. Yeah, no, it was just like I was actually on the phone with Zyla Fox and we were just talking about an upcoming project we might be in together. And we're talking and I'm like, she, she hears the torch going psh, psh, I said, sorry, I got to keep this. She's like, oh, no worries. And I'm like, uh-oh. She's like, what happened? I'm like, it's starting to fog. She's like, oh, maybe you can go. Maybe I'm like, oh, no, no, it's fogging worse. <laughs> she was like there when everything oh, just Sorry, went. I caught my mouse on fire. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, were you using a, a urethane or an epoxy? I was using, so like this, if you guys could see that picture, that was the first one, the good one. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. the second one came out really good too, but this was like some of my prized possessions in there. And, uh, and then... Uh, I'll show you the disaster. So this is the disaster. That's it all foamed up. Mm. Oh, yeah, it's all foamed up. I'll post pictures about this. And um, and this is the beginning of my second one, which I put a big sealer coat on it. Uh, well, the, the I think the biggest problem I did was I used, because I was rushed for time, which now I completely blew that schedule, I used Fast Hardener with a Total Boat curing. Uh, Total Boat... Uh, high performance resin with a fast hardener. So the fast hardener gets hot and Hmm. the slow performance doesn't get as hot. So the slow hardener, and that's what I, that was the change I made from one to two was I used the slow hardener. And uh, let me see, this is, this is the second one, which is, you know, a little bit more, a lot more clarity, actually, you know, the clarity that, that I wanted. And uh, so we'll see. Unless like, a rat climbed into it, which would be not so bad for me. But unless a rat <laughs> climbed in it when I left at about three o'clock in the morning, I think everything's going to be fine. Because it was like a last like honey kind of gooey coat when I left. You're going to go in there and one of your chickens is just going to be standing in the middle of the table. <laughs> just like, what do I do now? <laughs> Thankfully, the chickens are here and not there. That's three miles away. Oh, yeah. Okay. So yeah. that's what I've been working on. You know, it's just I, I always say to myself, and uh, which is what we were talking about, but I work alone, and you know, obviously, I was with Aaron for for a couple of years. But um, you know, I never, I never expected Aaron to to work over overtime. I would always be like, I'd be the sacrifice, I'd be the sacrificial uh, employee. I'd be like, 
you go home, I'll stay till midnight, you know? And he's like, no, 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 I'll stay. I'm like, no, 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 it's no big deal. So this is one of those circumstances where I'd be like, well, if, if everything gets all jammed up and compacted, I'll just stay up late. I'll just do an overnight. Like, I don't do that a lot. I mean, people might think that I do overnights all the time. I, I've never even actually done a full overnight where I didn't sleep. I always get at least four hours of sleep. And uh, so last night was one of those nights. And especially when things started foaming up, I literally thought I was going to be done at like maybe 1231. Hmm. Going to go home, let that cure, come in early after the show today, make the table base. But, you know, I got all jammed up. But I was able to recover. So that, I think that's the most important thing. You know, people always yeah. say, what is a professional? A professional is able to recover from like major disaster on any particular job or at least cover a good mistake or, you know. So I don't know. I always kind of feel like, you know, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And and I was able to recover. So here I am. Somebody told me once that, that a, a, an amateur is someone that practices until they get it right. And a professional is someone that practices until they can't get it wrong. Ooh. Interesting. I get it wrong all the time. <laughs> I know. So <laughs> well, I, I must admit, when I walked to your shop, Frank, I looked around and I was just like, I don't know anything <laughs> i don't know how to do anything <laughs> you know i would probably say the same thing walking through your shop too you know you walk everybody everybody's got different workflows yeah. and different needs of the their shop setups and stuff like that like when i walk through your you know, shop the way my shop is set up for, i said to myself i want to learn how to make things when i grow up it's like that's what i felt like when i was walking huh. through your shop it's like i feel like i have just the beginning of like where you guys are at you know where your shop was at but it's just, but it's just like you got systems in place. I just have like, oh, there's a pile of like casting stuff. There's a pile underneath that pile of jackets. There's a pile of things that, uh, you know, that's where my metal station. Yeah, I bet Frank doesn't have a taxidermy mouse, do you, Frank? I'm just yeah. No, I don't have a taxidermy mouse. <laughs> I don't have one but, anymore. Either. But what? That's yeah, true. But I have to, my shop has to be set up totally different because I have ten or fifteen or twenty people that need to know where all the drills are. And everything has to have a system and everything has to have a home because otherwise it's chaos yeah. and we're wasting all kinds of, of time. No, and Aaron brought that organization to my shop. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, he's put yeah. some systems in place. Like, this is so dumb, but Aaron put labels on shelves. Like, this cubby only has drills. This cubby only has <laughs> sanding equipment. This cubby has all the vibrating cutoff tools. This cubby has circular saws. I never did that. But now, like, in a huff, I'm like, oh, where's the, the uh, hacks or the power hacks? I'm like, oh, it's on the, like, I look for the handwritten label that says yeah. cutting tools. <laughs> Me, I just try and remember where I used it last, you know, when I was alone. Yeah. Well, uh, David, what about you? What do you want to do? Uh, it's funny, uh, Jimmy mentioned the sponsors uh, being late on sending assets. I did that neon sign video that I put out a couple days ago, and that video was done almost two weeks ago and it was for simply safe was sponsoring it and they sent me this new outdoor camera that they wanted to use for the for the read and it got stuck at our local fedex our local fedex uh it, it's been in the news like i just got hit hard with covid so packages are stuck there for two three weeks and i've just been waiting to get this package and they're like yeah we're gonna have to delay this until october and i just went to best buy and just bought the <laughs> The, the camera so I could finish it. Um, but uh, so that video just came out making the, the neon lights with the LED and freehand routing the groove for it. And then finishing up today, which should be out on Friday, a CNC versus laser video, just kind of comparing the pros and cons of each. I know um, 
we, we've probably all been asked, like, what do I get first, a CNC or a laser? And of course, the answer is that that depends. And this is that 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 depends video where it goes over. That's a good comparison yeah. to look yeah. at. Yeah, because a lot of people don't realize what you can do with one versus yeah. the other. And uh, I'm really, really, I, I don't do a lot of videos where it's just mostly me talking and then B-roll footage over top of that. But I'm really happy with the way this, this video came out. It's like 14 minutes of really dense information. So that'll be the next video. Hmm. Have you, um, did you work any more on the second channel edits that you were talking about <laughs> last week that you were kind of no. disappointed with? Or? Uh, no, no. Hmm. Um, still, I, I did put out a video on the second channel of my illustrator, how I drew up the Neon Science and Illustrator, but I haven't, I'm playing around with new names for the second channel. I just don't want it to be make something too. To me, that sounds a little a little generic, and I can come up with something a little bit more creative. So I'm playing around with things with that, and I just want it to be this channel where I can do weird videos where I don't care about views, and it can just it it can go up there, and uh, and I think a lot of my Impala restoration videos are going to go up there and and stuff like that. So mm. it's a, it'll be a work in progress, just like everything else. Yeah. I'm bummed to hear about the Simply Safe delay because I've been waiting on a kit from Simply Safe as well. Uh, <laughs> that's supposed to be here tomorrow, uh, <laughs> and so if it gets delayed like yours did, then that's going to push my video back even further. It's funny, like that's a bummer. This this FedEx hub here in Toledo just got hit hard. I mean, it's like there's people complaining on Facebook. I mean, there's a whole Facebook group book group about it now. Like I, they've had my package for almost 30 days. It's just crazy. But the funny thing is, wow. UPS and the post office. No delays. Everything has come through fine there. It's just this local FedEx just got hit hard with COVID. Yeah. <laughs> you can blame it on the local one if you want to. I have I have a beef with uh, FedEx. <laughs> I'm, wait, I'm waiting on a package from FedEx for our supplier. We have this new big retail thing that's cooking. And uh, we're waiting on samples. I have to approve samples so that they can start production. And my box of production samples are somewhere mm. like they were so excited they're like it should be in your fedex tomorrow i'm like great and then like two days go by they're like what do you think of the samples i'm like oh they never came they're like yeah. i completely forgot about it. i'm like what and then yesterday which now they should have came like thursday they're like they're stuck somewhere in memphis or something so I yeah know, hopefully they come i mean today. the whole shipping industry i'm sure is you know racked you know like across every company but um well, let's see. For me, we've got a video coming out tomorrow. We'll be out when this shows out of making a new Lego table for my kids, which sounds pretty boring, but it stores a ridiculous amount of Lego bricks. Like, my kids have a lot, and I have my own, which are not my kids, <laughs> <laughs> and I have a lot as well. But they have a lot, and I was building this table thinking, like, man, we're probably going to fill this whole thing up, and I filled up half of it which is pretty great because we have a lot of room to grow. But it's a really simple kind of rolling cart with these uh, tray slots on each side of it. So you can put 16 bins on each side of the table, and each bin holds a crazy amount. And then last week I built this Lego sorter thing that is made to hang off the end of this table. So now they can play on top of the table. There's a little cutout in the end. They scoop stuff right off the table into the sorter. And then they can put one of those bins underneath it, you know, get sorted, kind of. That's awesome. Um, and we did a, it's it's a really basic table. It's like half-inch plywood, super simple construction. But we ended up putting uh, the Lego Space logo, the old-school logo right in the middle of the table in resin. 
and we used a trick from Derek, uh, Derek from Malden. He's been doing these signs, and you've talked about this on here, Jimmy, where he will CNC, if he has a multicolor resin inlay, he'll CNC pockets, parts of it, fill those, and keep the, mm-hmm. the piece of material in place. And then after mm-hmm. that cures, he goes back and then cuts the outline or the next phase of colors or yeah. whatever, and then pours to that. And I'd never actually tried that before. And so uh, we did it with three colors, and it turned out great. Like, there were no problems with it at all. Um, it was a really simple way to get a pretty nice-looking you know, multicolor inlay inside the table. Yeah. It's real shallow. What, I mean, there's not a One interesting it. thing Derek really tries to do is, you know, that, I forget what that's called, where I remember in chemistry class where you pour into a, a, gradu- a cylinder to measure, and it's like that meniscus that kind of cups up. At the edge, with resin, you either get that like surface tension where it cups up or it cups over. And Derek's always trying to get that tension, that surface tension where it cups up a little bit. So when you look at it, it almost looks like it's um, enamel, like baked enamel, as opposed to some guys take that resin, they just pour it all haphazardly, even though it's all compartmentalized, then throw it through the sander and you get a perfectly flat, smooth top. Derek's always trying to go for that mm. perfect little meniscus around everything, that little surface tension, which makes it look, you know, like baked enamel. It's a really nice look because you always get that little highlight edge around everything. I didn't want to have to sand this because it's half inch plywood. It's a big top. It's like a 48 inch by 30 inch top or something. And so I didn't want to wear through that top veneer. And I'd yeah, never really done any, I don't do a lot of resin work anyway, but I'd never done any with uh, using a syringe, like in within a little line. And so that was a challenge to just try to, you know, I just felt like I was going to drip it all over the place and make a big mess. And it was going to come out of this little cut that I had. And it actually worked out really well. And so I hope that's encouraging for, I mean, I didn't, I don't guess I mentioned in the video that I hadn't done that before, but I hope it's encouraging to people that they can do that without making a huge mess and actually get a finished, nice looking thing without sanding. Because I I didn't sand the top of this at all. It's yeah. just getting the resin up to the level and then a little bit more so it bubbles up, you know, and doesn't like jump out yeah. of the walls. But while we're on the out. subject of Legos, Frank, do you ever use Legos to make a mold or to test something or prototyping in your shop? rarely i can't think of i can't think of an example of something i've ever done <laughs> i do have a lot of lego sets all over here and uh a lot of times i end up uh up here in the office having a drink and building lego sets <laughs> and after work but uh no, no okay. nothing official no lego mold boxes no i hate the the lines that those things leave <laughs> it's it's easier to just use a piece of foam core yeah. mm. Yeah, but he's like Frank's like a pro model. Like that's why I, I, I'm trying to get all tips. the right yeah. molding and casting procedures. We <laughs> <Yeah>. don't. <laughs> Frank, but from go ahead, you go mm-hmm. ahead. No, no, let's. No, I was just to say it's. I think it's it's easier to just use a piece of foam core and throw it away when you're done than you know build Lego bricks and then have to clean them all up and then you have this yeah you know, silicone block with all these lines on it. And it you know what it's not smooth we had when, when I was doing a lot of toy prototyping in the, in really in the night, in the nineties. Yeah. That's when I did most of my mm-hmm. silicone resin mold making. We kept, <clears throat> well, I kept, and I taught, I had like four guys that worked for me at the time. We had a pile of, uh, various thickness, various height walls and lengths and widths of, uh, uh, plexiglass. And we would just hot glue everything 
And then when the hot glue cured, you just pop everything apart. And then with a like a scraper, you just scrape all the hot glue off, scrape all the plexi. And so it always was there to use again and again with hot glue. We did a similar thing to that at McFarlane. I, I worked at McFarlane Toys in the 90s. And we had a big library of, it was that uh, like melamine sure. covered, like ply, not plywood, that particle sure, stuff. Sure, sure, sure. Um, like a whole library of all the different sizes so we could put the boxes together super yeah. fast. Oh. And then just just by eye, we knew what size they were so we could do the math on how much silicone we needed. And we would pour probably 15 gallons of silicone a night. Wow. And we would have like drops left in the box. Like that's how good we could get all of the math oh, that's great. for pouring that's, that much that's rubber. Right. I never even considered so. that. That's great. You know, like looking, knowing yeah. what size, what volume would it take. That's really smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, two by two by two box. You do you can do the math super yeah. fast, and then you just pour all over. Yeah. How uh, has your collection of maker hands grown? I think mine is the first in the library. Yeah, we got yours and tomorrow's, um, and and that's about it. Like I haven't even done mine. Like I think we need to just start. We need to start a maker tour of everybody stopping by my shop to get their hands molded. Yeah, we were playing around when I was um, out there, and uh, Frank molded my hand. And was that dragon skin? What was that material? Uh, was it just straight up silicone? I think it, I think it might have been twenty T. That sounds familiar. Yeah, I think that's the, that's the silicone I had sitting around. But um, and you got the flesh yeah, color for look, me look, a little just, close there. And uh, just put a call out to all the makers. Just tell them to stop by here for careful. an hour, and I'll mold <laughs> their hands smooth on. Uh, no, no, no. I'm serious. All the anybody you want, Jimmy, you just send them over well, here. If whoever's listening, smooth on already gave me all the material to do it. So oh, cool. Um. So I have it sitting on the shelf, earmarked just for you. <laughs> We're going to make a library of maker hands. So Bob That's and Dave, awesome. you guys yes. got to get out to Burbank and get your hands molded. Yeah. It's been a long time since I've been to LA. Um, so come visit. What, what are you working on? Can you tell us anything that you're working on right now? Mm, we have we have one feature that we're working on right now. I can't say what it is. Um, and then we're doing a bunch of stuff for, for theme parks. Um which we can't so say. No. <laughs> now, when you say, um, let me ask you a dumb question. When you're working for theme parks, are you working on like a license for a theme park or is it a exclusive to the theme park? Is it like decor for like their own lightning loops or is it like the Mandalorian? Um, not that specifically, of, but it is like the Mandalorian lightning loops. Uh, I don't, I don't know if I'm breaking any rules by saying it. We do a lot of work for Imagineering. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're working on one of the, working on props that go into one of the parks at one of so the it's parks. their exclusive so, exclusive concept yeah it's their yeah. yeah yeah they give us they give us artwork and designs then we because i know it. there's Man, always these weird licensing so cool. <laughs> deals with, with these parks that's so cool yeah really love that. um it's it's definitely it's definitely neat seeing like i haven't i haven't gotten into any of the any of the disney parks recently um but the, you know stuff that we built like back in the day it's it's so awesome seeing it like pop up in people's photos and stuff like that. So yeah, it's it's pretty. I've bad. got a friend who uh, used to be an Imagineer, and he he did uh, like graphic design for a lot of the parks. And mm-hmm. it was always such a thrill to go to Animal Kingdom, and like it, there's in Animal Kingdom in Florida, there's a um, little I don't even know what you call the area. It's kind of Tibetan area where there's like these camp type restaurants outside and there's all the flags hanging mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And he designed all of those pieces and mm-hmm. like going there and just seeing like, yeah, my friend Josh did all of this. 
and all of the posters around like the the Yeti stuff mm. and you know he did all those things and that's always such a cool feeling just to see a friend of mine's work there i can't even imagine going in and seeing like the things that i made as props within a theme park hey, that's so cool oh uh, yeah it's, it's it's total fun um oh i here's something i can say we so umbrella academy uh the, the tv show on netflix just wrapped season three and some of the stuff that we built for it just got back here and we're building the displays for the producers right now so yeah i'm a, I'm a big fan of umbrella academy and the you know the the producers on that and the the costume designer and the the vfx supervisor like all those people are so rad and they treat us really well um so i'm a, I'm a big fan of that show and they treat us good is is, um, is that a common thing where you get a prop back to make a display for it or does stuff disappear mm, kind of when you're done with it you know it depends it depends on the show and it depends on the relationship um you know some clients that we have were just a vendor and they don't um some clients that we have like like these people from umbrella academy like you know, we've been working with them for three seasons and they, they like us, they make sure that we're taken care of and we make sure that they're taken nice. care of. Um, you know, when you have, when you have a, a client vendor relationship that's reciprocal like that, you both work a little bit harder to make sure everybody's happy and you get a better product versus some of these other like big giant shows, they just treat everybody as expendables and it turns into a meat grinder situation. Mm. Again, that's, partially what this big strike is about. A lot of these big shows treat their crews and treat their vendors like garbage. Um, So I don't know. I I try. Yeah. But so yeah, Umbrella Academy, we're building some displays. Dumb question. Do you, every single time you make everything, like no matter what it is, let's say you have to make like three helmets of Darth Vader, for instance, do you always make four? Mm. So you can just put one on display? Is it just built in? always, but a lot of times. So it's because you're obviously going through the... exertion and the effort to get there you might as well do it while yeah. everybody's in the mindset to have an extra one for display yeah there, there's some stuff that we did like like way early on in the year that we still have the displays like in progress yeah. like we haven't finished painting right. them but um most of the time we try to do it like right at the moment um but i'm, I'm running out of space for displaying <laughs> stuff so I, i'm you have like two full rooms dedicated stuff to like duplicate. you have like full as i remember two full rooms completely dedicated to these mm-hmm. giant props. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I have to, I have to do a big redesign. If I, I'm, I'm getting up to the end of the lease on this building and I'm probably going to, you know, hopefully, you know, keep the building for another, you know, five years or something like that. And once I do sign that, I'm going to probably do a, a mm-hmm. rework that whole front room. Like, uh, yeah, I'm going to do some, some, mm-hmm. uh, maintenance and <laughs> make it look nicer no it looks it's it's looks Very incredible cool. as is but you got a lot of props to deal with one of these days i want yeah. to come out there and see it i would i would love to check out your dude shop. anytime i've been telling you since, since i met you at, at matter hackers yeah. a million years ago come on by <laughs> that would be cool well um let's wrap up the show i suppose i need to thank our patreon supporters uh big thanks to everybody that helps us out over at patreon.com slash making it. We are very grateful for all of you at all of all different levels. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, especially our top supporters, Odin Leather Goods, Full Steam Designs, Rich at Low and Design, Blondie Hacks, Fun Kiss Artistic Creations. You can make this too. Chad for Mancrafting, Works by Solo, Albers Woodworks, and Corey Ward. Albers Woodworks, I want to say big thanks to him because he actually sent, he heard us talking about classic cars on here. 
you know, I was talking about going to the car museum and seeing the big row of Corvettes. He sent me a poster of a row of Corvettes. <laughs> it's super cool. It's like the entire, all I was talking about of the shape change across the many years. It just like showed up yesterday. He sent that. So thank you for that. That's right. I, uh, I watch a lot of Blondie Hacks videos. Oh, they're great. They're great. Yeah. She's awesome. Yeah. No, she's right. I don't know uh, most of what she's talking about. So I like, we'll watch <laughs> something. I'm like, okay, pause. I'm going to go look up what it is she's talking about. And then I'm going to come back. Um, but big thanks to everybody over there that helps us out. And after this, we're going to do the after show, which only people from Patreon get to listen to. So Frank's going to tell us all of his secret contracts. Yep. He's, <laughs> no, yeah. All the secrets. He already agreed. Uh, go to patreon.com slash making it and, and get that if you want to. And if not, that's cool. We're just glad you're here. How many people get right. the after show? Do, are we, can we talk about, do we, do uh, we know that? I, Cause I brought up the I idea yesterday of doing the, the Christmas oh, gift yeah. thing. I don't know if we want to talk about it on the air yet, but uh, I, I want to get a sense of how many of those things would need to be made. So, so you don't overcommit. So I don't overcommit. Yeah. <laughs> I can look it up. <laughs> you can tell, yeah. I mean, go ahead and tell the idea because maybe. So you know. I thought uh, for our patrons, uh, I don't even know how many tiers we have, but whatever top tier, or, or uh, we, the three of us, print Christmas cards and print whether it's screen printing or relief printing or whatever. We all do a three three things, and then uh, the patrons get a Christmas card. And whether we have and whether or not it's Christmas themed or not doesn't I don't think really matters. You print whatever you want and and send it to the people that support us. So there are six tiers. Okay, six tiers. No, those all can't be in place anymore. These are old. Uh, We're really bad at this job. <laughs> but, um, there's several okay. tiers. We'll go with that. And several hundred people. Okay. So we would have a lot of printing okay. to do. Okay. Well, <laughs> we could throw we could throw it all on my Heidelberg windmill press. That literally five thousand prints a day. Oh wow. All right. Okay. So so I guess Jimmy can yeah print all of yeah. Them. I can print well, that's a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, all right. So you guys got anything to recommend this week? Anything cool you've been watching? I will. Uh, I will recommend uh, William Osmond's trolling the trolls video. Have you guys seen this? <laughs> Uh, uh, no. So our buddy William Osmond uh, a few weeks ago made a homemade X-ray machine, which is dangerous yes. for many obvious reasons. Uh, and then he made a video about the comments on that video. So there's a lot of trolls, and, and he, he did it in such a good way. He broke it. He categorized the trolls into political ones, uh, just people who are morons and and uh and then the second half of the video he tracked down one of the trolls like so this guy who says he says he was an x-ray technician made a comment saying this is fake because blah 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 and he was totally wrong william tracked him down and like got him on the phone like it was it's an amazing video it is just absolutely brilliant brilliant so i've been watching this channel um i'm trying to find the name of it i think it's it's not my mechanic it's the mechanic and uh i stood in this week for chris zepp and i made the same mention on on the on the the, the handmade podcast but um there's a, a great channel called not my mechanic is the guy that restores stuff he has billions of views this is called the mechanic and it's somebody going around the world maybe south asia videotaping like uh kind of 
uh, for lack of a better term, sort of third world factory processes. And you see guys making crankshafts that, you know, they're probably for Chevy, who knows, but they're in this factory where everybody's wearing a, you know, long shirt, no glasses, no, you know, no shoes. And, um, guys improvising and changing tractor wheels, like with no lathe, they're taking a tractor wheel, making it the smaller in diameter and smaller in width, welding it all up with just like stick welders, like, you know, and everybody's like crouched down on dirt. It's unbelievable. It just shows you the ingenuity of, you know, the, the human spirit. You know, most people be like, Oh, I don't have a lathe. I don't have a wire fed welder. These guys, and they're probably welding with like wire hanger wire because <laughs> I, I don't see them banging any slag off of any of these welds and uh they're like taking tractor tires and making them smaller to fit the tires that they have they have rims that don't fit the tires they're like oh well let's just make them fit <laughs> so you know like i said it's just like the human ingenuity of uh you know com- countries and and areas that just don't have the resources that you know we've come accustomed to seeing like, Oh, you let's just go buy an old factory and use those tools. These guys are like, well, as long as we have electric, we're good. You know, they probably hacked into a telephone pole nearby. <laughs> so it just shows you, like I said, it just shows you the human spirit. What can be done? Frank, you got anything to recommend? Um, you know, at the shop here, we, we listen to a lot of audiobooks. Um, a couple of us, like we're, we're always trading, uh, trading audiobook recommendations. And I've already finished up all my Audible credits for the month. Um, so I'm re-listening to two of my favorite ones that I found. Um, there's a book series called uh, um, We Are Legion, We Are Bob. And it's about a like a guy that gets his uh, consciousness uploaded into an AI and kind of explores the galaxy. And it's awesome. Um, and And then there's another series called Expeditionary Force. And there's like 14 books in that one, but I'm re-listening to one of those and they're really funny. It's a, a guy that meets this like snarky AI and goes around the galaxy. I don't know. It's, they're kind of the same. There's AIs and people going around the galaxy and they're science fiction-y fun stuff, but re-listening to those uh, currently. Awesome. I've heard of both of those, but I've not heard. They're so good. Cool. Yeah, the the Bobaverse books. There's four of them, and then the Expeditionary Force. There's like fourteen of them, and uh, yeah, love them. Sweet. Um, I have two. One is uh, Mike FN Garage. Have you guys ever watched his videos? His car stuff, and I got turned on to his videos because uh, he's working on a Carmen Ghia as well, and so another guy, the CT channel that I watch, mentioned this guy. So I started watching his. And I, I haven't watched a lot of them, but the ones I've watched, I think it's really cool because he's fixing the car like I would fix a car because I don't know better. So he's just, but he knows better, but he's doing it the, maybe not the proper way, but like the good enough way. And I think that's pretty cool to see. You know, it's not like, well, you have to have these hundred tools or whatever. He just cut out this little panel and patched it. And he was talking about like, you know, the best way to do this would be to do X, Y, Z, but this car's, you know, 60 years old, like it's going to rust again in another five years. So I'm going to patch this and then plan on having to come back and probably make changes, you know, next time or do whatever. So it's kind of a different approach. Whereas car restoration, people are often a little bit overkill about, you know, yeah, they're expecting it to last forever. And maybe that's realistic, but for me, 
I don't think I'm going to take anything to that level. So it's kind of refreshing to see somebody, you know, doing the work, fixing the problems, but not like obsessing. Yeah. It's so anyway, it's pretty cool. And it's very kind of down to earth. Um, it does a lot of different Volkswagen stuff and probably some other stuff too. I've only watched the Volkswagen, but anyway, so that's one. Do oh, it. good, good. I was going to say something about, I'll say it in the after show. Go ahead. Uh, the other one is, um, <clears throat> I talked a while ago about the Wonder Years. I don't know if that was on here or maybe on another show, but the old old show, The Wonder Years, uh, mm-hmm. it was on when I was a kid. Sure. I loved that show. Um, Jenny and I rewatched it a couple years ago, and it was pretty good, but a little bit more annoying than I remembered. Like, the main <laughs> character is kind of a punk. <clears throat> anyway, there's a new Wonder Years show, and the yep. first episode came out, and it's about a black family in Montgomery, Alabama in the 60s. And so it's a, a very different picture of that time period through a different lens about a different type of family dealing with different types of stuff. And it was really cool. I really liked the first episode. Um, and I think it, you know, I don't know how it's going to play out, but uh, one episode that's out is really good and I would recommend it. Um, yeah, also, I've been my friend, to watch that. My friend Bethany uh, is has a little scene in it and that was really cool. Oh. I didn't realize that until like right before we were going to watch it. She has a little bit part at the end of it. I thought that was pretty awesome. But anyway, it's a good show. I'm looking forward to seeing how they move that one forward. So that's that. Mm -hmm. You guys got anything else before the after show? I was going to ask Frank. Frank, if somebody is a a budding prop maker who wants to do props Mm -hmm. in Hollywood TV, Mm -hmm. any any Mm -hmm. advice since we have a professional on the show? You know, I I just put a call out a couple of weeks ago to for new people to hire. And, um, in, in 24 hours, I got about 50 resumes, um, emails and resumes and stuff like that. Out of that, I pared it down to about 16 people that I gave interviews to. And then I, I was only going to hire, setting out to hire one person. I ended up hiring three. Um, there's, there's a lot of really nice, talented people out there. There's tons and tons of really good people. Um, even people that are green and have no experience. Like I probably easy could have hired 10 of these people like easily. Um, cause they're all that good. Um, I, th- I think that people are, are doing the right thing. People are learning, you know, from, from all the YouTube videos, which is how I learn new sure. things. Um, and, and I think that people are paying attention to the things that, that everybody says, you know, in these kind of a settings, I, I think if people want to do it, just keep paying attention and keep doing good work. Um, keep it up. And, you know, there'll be a point where I need more people again. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I mean, it, it, I, don't, I guess that's kind of a cop-out answer. I didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Keep keep making nice things. And Well, I think, uh, well, you, re- you prompted me to, to think of something, which is you have to generate your own self projects. You know, a lot of people wait around to be told mm-hmm. what to do, but if you have a passion for prop making or even making or building, it's really important to, you know, self-propagate your own concepts, your own ideas, your own build, your own need to build stuff. Some mm-hmm. guys will be like, I have my own machine. I have my own, I'm just waiting for a good client. I'm like, in the meantime, practice, make your mother a set of shelves, make your wife a, a desk, you know, like you got to do these things to just keep yourselves busy. Yeah, there, there's a there's a big gamut of what people are kind of showing in their portfolios, and sometimes it's more cosplay kind of stuff. Sometimes it's prop replicas. Sometimes it's you know whatever. I'm just you know a lot of times I'm just looking for like good craftsmanship and good 
fit and finish. Um, you know, I think, you know, that's probably only half of it. The other half of it is just having a good personality and being a good person. You know, um, you spend all day long with people. You want to find nice people or people that are, have a, you know, good personality. I mean, they could be quiet. One of the guys that we hired, he's real quiet. Um, but he's a nice guy and asks good questions. You know, Barry Katz always says it on uh, industry standard podcast. You want to be a good hang. Yeah, 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 for sure. Cool. Well, thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, yes, thank you for it. Yeah. Glad to have you. Yeah, and thanks for having me. I'm glad that I finally got to come jump in on yeah, this. Thanks for getting up early enough. And we're going to go to the after show. And <laughs> stick, hopefully stick we, around, can, Frank. we can milk some secrets out yeah. of Frank about what he's working on. But we'll see. So thanks for listening, everybody. We'll, we'll catch thank you next time. Thank you. Love you. Thank Bye. you.